So they took away Elmer's gun and gave him a, a scythe. That's that's even more violent. <laughs> oh, I was yes. gonna say that that's yes. worse. I know. I I'm like, how is that? In what way is that an improvement? Andy, is it not your country that has all the deadly knife attacks, right? Yeah, but we don't have about five of them a week. There's nothing serious. Yeah, not, not unless you're one of those five people. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the prophets. Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello and welcome to Listen to the Prophets. I am Dr. Penumbra. Nothing? No jokes or anything? Did I cast a large shadow? Or anyway. Uh, today... That's no moon. That's no moon. That's Bill. Oh. <laughs> I am joined by my one of my other shadows, Andrew Leyland. Me and a shadow. And I am also joined by another friend of the show, Mr. David Pascarella. Representing Quark's Catering. We do weddings cheap. And some other guy named Paul. I don't know. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> Get off my lawn. No, that's the the ex-producer, Paul Spataro. And somewhere in the ether, listening above us all, is Dave. Peter. Dave, Dave's silently ruling all you can hear. So, anybody got any Star Trek news? There was an interesting episode of Inglorious Tracksports this week. I don't know if you guys heard it. It had Brian Fuller on it. He worked on Discovery for a bit, but also worked on Star Trek Voyager. And they were talking about how come Voyager resolutely stayed episodic, whereas Deep Space Nine embraced the serial storytelling and building on the characters and all that stuff. And Fuller basically said, well, that's because Iris Stephen Burr didn't give a shit what Rick Berman said. And Bran and Braga did. But that's that's why DS9... <laughs> so the whole reason show. that the show... Yeah, probably. I just thought that was funny that he actually... Now that he's got a career behind him and doesn't give any shits anymore, I found it quite funny that he actually just come out and said that. Yeah, well, Ira didn't give a shit what Rip Berman said. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I watching... I don't, I don't know that's news. I just found it amusing. No, I, I'm... I've been watching a, like one of the local channels has uh, they have like Star Trek on every night and I've been watching a couple Voyagers here and there. <sighs> I mean they did have some overlying things through the series, I guess you more on character development, but like in the first season they did have the whole thing with the uh Cardassian mole lady that was in the Maquis, yeah. Seska. I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting, but then they didn't really seem to have anything like that later on in the series, other than... And in series so two, they kind of had that Is Tom Paris a Traitor storyline. Oh, really? I don't remember that. And didn't go anywhere. Yeah, they had Tom Paris being an asshole for a couple of episodes. More than oh, normal. Wait, wasn't he doing that on purpose or something? <laughs> yes, there was a reason behind it. That went on for a few episodes. But by uh, but the the storyline he was specifically talking about was they wanted to do the Year of Hell as twenty six episodes. They wanted to do that over an entire season, and wow. Rick Berman wouldn't let them. Wow, that would have been. Ooh. And I kind of think maybe Rick was right in that case that if they were gonna do that story and then press the reset button at the end of it, to do it as twenty six episodes would have been really unsatisfying. Yeah, Whereas with a two-parter... Yeah, a two-part story, you kind of know 
the reset button's coming at the end of it, but it's only two parts, so you can let yourself go with the flow and enjoy it. If they'd done that for 26 and pressed the reset, I think it would have been deeply upsetting. But of course, what is the year of hell? It's Battlestar Galactica. So Battlestar Galactica did that story anyway. Mm. And now we're all living through it. Yeah. Well, what if they had done a whole season and then they reset at the end, but then at the end of the season as the cliffhanger... Janeway is no longer the captain, and a lot of the crew has changed. And See, they just I, leave it that way. What's, and Patrick thought I he was in that, the shower. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I've always thought Patrick from the captain. very beginning that Voyager would have been better if they had addressed all the stuff that later came in Galactica. Like, where are they getting the fuel and food and water from? How come the replicators continue to keep working? If one malfunctions and suddenly they can't feed the ship, how does that work? How would Janeway have dealt with the crew saying, I don't want to spend my entire life on a ship. This planet's an Earth-type planet. It's got reasonable level of technology. Dump me down on this planet where they all look human, and I'll just live off in a cabin somewhere. I won't interfere with the natural development of life because I'm one person. I don't want to spend. I don't want. Maybe have it be a couple who got married and got pregnant, and then suddenly said, "I don't want to raise my kid on a starship." I How would you dealt with that situation? Janeway was was either a a dictator, and she's going to do what she wants to do, or she has a obligation to the people that want to get back, and you can't have the you know the main engineering guy or a certain person of a key that is key to the function of the ship saying I'm going to leave because then that she has to do the whole greater good thing and say no you can't leave because you must stay here because we must all get back and And that leads to an even better story that guy starts an undercover resistance going look she wouldn't let me do this and he starts gathering up all the people that Janeway has screwed over over the run of the series and you've got an even better storyline then. Well, now it's not just one family. It's all of us. What are you going to do now? See, I, I think... Th- yeah, because I can't believe everybody on, on that ship would just be, you know... Oh, 70 years? Yeah, I mean, because that's what they originally... What it was going to take. Now, granted, they kept finding ways to shorten that down and blah, blah, blah. They were done in seven. Yeah, the- there was a couple of episodes where they managed to skip a year or two or whatever. I think the biggest jump was ten years. Yeah. But still, if you if you meet somebody on that ship and you marry them and you want to settle down and have a child, do you really want to raise that child on a ship? And why was there only one kid? The contraception on that ship must be amazing. Well, limited resources, you just can't start, you know booming the population on a ship. Exactly right. So, does Janeway start saying mandatory abortions? Mm. What does she do? You've, you have just come up there, or between the two of us, we have come up with a season's worth of story that was better than anything that show did. But, but I think, I well, think there was a desire up- to have the Gene Roddenberry, you know, we're all happy and it's a wonderful universe thing. So, even their plans to have the Marquis uh, you know, part part oh, of the that crew, faded you know, be at odds with the regular part of the crew, was you know, there was only like mild conflict in that regard to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. was faded. I think about halfway through the first season. Oh, Chakotay fell it, right, it was no in, longer... right in line. He was he was. Yeah, well, Chakotay was the worst character on the show. I know lots of people hate Neelix, but at least he had a personality. Yeah, I would, I'd, and given the amount of bitching that Robert Beltran did, as a producer, I'd have fired him. I'd have got him off the show. I'd have kept Thomas Riker around and brought Jonathan Frakes back <laughs> through some magic Q reason or something. I don't know what I'd done. Because Jonathan Frakes would have been like, yeah, I'm down for another six-year gig. <laughs> <laughs> so you said, where do they get, you know, the replicators? Well, I mean, they could have been, not to be gross, but they could have been reprocessing human waste. Yeah, but at least that would have been an Soiling explanation. Green. I'd have bought that. Yeah. <laughs> it's only brown. Why do these cookies taste like crap? Oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Oh. Neelix, did you, did you make these literally? Out of bullshit, yeah. I mean, I mean did, did, they, did they ever do episodes where they traded food and stuff with... Well, Neelix will always seem to have a bunch of food that, oh, this is a, this is a, yeah, you know. Yeah, he always well, seemed to have enough food I, in his pot, didn't he? 
I've got Boldy and Bull ball sacks here, so yeah. <laughs> where do you get those? I don't worry about it. Ah, I pay no attention. What was that Chevy Chase movie where he was eating like the sheep's balls? <laughs> that was funny yeah, fun. Like that. Fun he didn't like realize that. what he was eating. He just kept eating, I, thinking they were like meatballs. They should have had a scene like that. And there's, there's, there's another great script. Janeway finds out, or one of the crew <laughs> finds out, that Neelix is doing underhanded dealings to make sure that the crew has enough no, food. And then your dilemma becomes do I tell them or do I just leave it? Because the crew need feeding. I think, I think you go really yeah. dark and you have the combination taking care of the population explosion and the food loss by having a soil oh. green kind of yes. episode. Soil green is people. <laughs> Bolian balls are people. <laughs> you have it be like the most popular thing on the on the ship. People are waiting in line to get theirs every day and then they find out it's people. Mm. Get your damn dirty Talaxian hands off. It here. writes itself. <laughs> But couldn't they have used the uh, the replicators to just take like interstellar matter or or planetoids and just turn like dirt into yeah you know and, and water well, is quite plentiful if you I mean because they put everything they back just bring a, an asteroid on the ship and let it melt hmm. I mean as far as fuel I think a nuclear carrier can go something like twenty years without refueling the reactor. Oh, come on, they so needed you would think dilithium and, and trilithium every time you turned around on the original show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. yeah but this, but is just, a, this is not a Voyager podcast. Yeah, but Rod Moore, say, yeah, obviously, as an addendum. Nice. <laughs> obviously, yeah. As an addendum, Rod Moore said he thinks the replicators were the worst thing they ever created on Star Trek. Because suddenly you've got something there that basically makes whatever you want. And it kills the collectible market. Well, that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, because on the original series, they just had a guy behind those panels, and they would, you know, chicken soup, and he's like throwing all the stuff on the plates, and he just slides it on, on a thing. It's like, <laughs> it's like the automat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it was. There's just like a little guy back there. Oh, oh, crap. Okay, spaghetti and meatballs. All right, all right. Oh, crap. I put a bowling ball on there. Ah, I'll never know. Yeah. Well, didn't they establish an enterprise that they recycled the waste? Mm, I... I'm i sure they said that in an episode of Enterprise. Hmm. Mm. Anyway. Penumbra. Penumbra. <laughs> A moment that will change Cisco's life forever. Her greatest trial is about to begin. A secret that could turn the tides of war once and for all on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Okay, Penumbra is the 167th episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Whew, that makes it seem like a lot. We've been, that's because it is a lot. It doesn't seem, seem like a while. Yeah, oh. it just doesn't seem like it. And when you get closer to the end, it's like, oh, oh, I don't want to go. Hmm. But uh, this stay, came out, stay, original stay. air date, April, stay. April 7th, 1999. Getting closer, Andy. Mm. Closer. Gotta watch out so, for that. So, Voyager, Voyager gets home to a planet that doesn't have a Gotta moon. watch out for that millennium on your computer. <laughs> yeah. Did did you do an episode about that? Yes, they did. There was something about the Millennium Gate and like Janeway's. uh, Stop talking about Voyager. (laughs) Or or I'll make you do a Voyager podcast. I'm doing one. I'm doing three. Yeah, well, I'm talking every episode. Seven years worth, buddy. You don't want that kind of hell. I do not. No. Seven years in hell. That would be a year of hell. Ugh. Directed by Steve Posey. Right? Or passe, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Written by Renee Echevarria, featuring music by Des McCarthy. And our guest stars. I, I gotta say, Mark Alemo, was he always old? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's in episodes of Columbo in the 70s. Yes, he's old. Because at the end of this episode, I was like, damn, he looks almost exactly the same like he looks now. Just maybe a tad bit older, but man, he really looks old. He's the he looks younger as Golden Cot. Yeah, pretty much. Wilford Brimley. He was born in 1942. 
But still, it's like he just looked looked so old twenty five years ago. If he was born in forty two, that makes him fifty seven at this time this came out. He's seventy. Really? He doesn't he looks older than wow. fifty seven? To be honest with you. Yeah, he's got some hard years on him. Anyway, we also have Casey Biggs as Demar, the uh, alcoholic uh, Cardassian, Jeffrey Coombs as Wayum, Salome Jens as the female change, Penny Johnson. Salome, Salome, Shalom. Salome, Salome. You say Salome, I say Shalom. Penny Johnson Gerald as Cassidy Yates and Deborah Lacey as Sarah Cisco. Oh, a little alliteration there. And this, uh, you'll have to excuse me for this plot write up, but we're cribbing off of Wikipedia. I'm going to try to self edit because there's a lot of just one line mm-hmm. saying. On the station, well, on the runabout. On to be fair, that's the way this episode goes. Uh, before we get email, yeah. Before we get email, he did not do an episode of Columbo in 1974. He did an episode of the Rockford Files. So I was almost. Oh, you, you, you've committed <laughs> an ultimate faux pas there. Guilty. I know. I know. Columbo has a big fan base. You see. And mm. rightly so, and I didn't want them to say Michael Amo was never in Colombo. He wasn't. Columbo You're right. He was in the Rockford Files. I don't know if we do. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. There was one of the new Columbos on. It had Billy Conley on there. So you say? Yeah. By, exactly. by new Columbos, you mean one from 2000? I don't know. It was an old Peter <laughs> Falk, and it said like new Columbos. <laughs> It was new to me. <laughs> it just, it was, He's dead? It was weekend, oh, weekend I didn't know he was sick. Fox. No, they CGI'd him like Grandma Tarkin. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so I'm just going to tell you something. Have any of you ever read the Day of the Doctor novelization for that episode of Doctor Who? No. No. No, right, okay. In that episode, they established that the Peter Cushing Doctor Who movies are in Doctor Who. And it's somebody's misinterpretation, like a fan who got certain elements wrong. And that's how they made those films. And the Doctor ends up being friends with Peter Cushing. And people only notice when he starts showing up in films years after he died. That's great. I thought that was such a funny joke. (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Okay. The plot for Penumbra goes like this. On the station... Captain Sisko tells Cassidy Yates of having bought land on Bajor and of his plans to build a house there. <laughs> because people will always need land and they'll pay through the nose Mr. to get it. Sisko. Remember what my father said? Get out. Captain Sisko, what we Before have that. here is some Bajoran land. It's going for only $2,000 a square foot. Where's my Where's my Bajoran pig, Arnold Ziffel? At the bar, as okay, I I did that with a southern accent. <laughs> bar. Maybe I'll just do the whole thing. At the I, bar, Ezra Dax learns that the USS Defiant has given up the search for Wharf, who them dukes, them dukes, who was lost in the Badlands while commanding a Klingon ship attacked by the Jim Hedar. Ezra decides to take a runabout by herself to the Badlands. Misisto from the S9 orders her to return. She unconvincingly pretends that there is too much interference to understand him. Cisco decides to allow her to look for Worf and to send her to Defiant Search Log. Dax has the computer. Whoa, what word is that? Extralopa plate. <laughs> a likely interpoint for Worf's escape pod into the Badlands. <laughs> then she takes the runabout in and cuts the engine. Well, that ain't going to work at all. It's just going to float and drift. Oh, hoping the currents will take her to Worf's position. And I am <clears throat> stopping the southern deck to serve my throat. So, because of that, can I call this episode the Bajoran Hillbillies? Thank <laughs> you, Bajoran Acres. 
On the station, Cisco and Cassie Yates discuss the plans for Cisco's home on Bajor. Cisco says he wants the house to be our house. In the middle of, very, very, in very the middle of our street. Thank you. Our house. He asks her to he marry asks, him, and she says yes. He asks her, and she shall have him. Back in space on the runabout, Esri finds Worf's escape pod after weathering some turbulence, and she transports him aboard. Quick cut to Cardassia, where Wayun takes a tissue sample from the female changeling to, to give to the Vorta doctors. They're, oh, yeah, they were Vorta doctors, yeah, because they are killed, <laughs> recloned. That's, that's kind of, well, anyway, we'll do a little discussion. Who have made little to no progress in finding a cure to the illness plaguing the Great Length. Meanwhile, back on the station, Benjamin selects his son, Jake, to be the best man at the wedding. Meanwhile, back at the runabout, Worf is not at all grateful for being rescued. Ungrateful Klingon. He questions Ezri's motives for rescuing him and resents her speaking uh, as if she was Jadzia Dax. Well, she is, you moron. Their runabout is gunned down. Bad term, I would say, attacked. By the Jem'Hadar, the Jem'Hadar, and Dax and Worf hastily transport to a nearby planet without a comm link. I thought you had a comm link. Meanwhile, again, back on Cardassia, Damar, who is uh, sloshing down a sauce, is visited by his old friend, Dukat, who asks for a recommendation for a doctor to surgically alter him to make him pretty. So pretty. I'm so pretty. I'm pretty and witty and wise. On the planet where they landed, Dax and Worf argue. After the argument intensifies, much like on an episode of Moonlighting, they kiss and have sex. Or at least after a few seasons. Then they are captured by the Breen, or Princess Leia's uh, other cosplay people. (laughs) It's like Boosh. Anyway. On Cardassia, babushka, babushka, my, my little Kabushka. On Cardassia, Cardassia, go on Cardassia. Ducat's surgery to appear Majoran is revealed to be complete. And finally, on the station, the prophets appear as Cisco, as Cisco, Sarah, as Sarah Cisco in a vision to Ben and tell him that marrying Cassidy will bring him great sorrow. Well, isn't that what any marriage does? <laughs> Emma, are you guys with me? Can I get an amen? I, I'm too Why? much into oh, self-preservation at this point in my life. <laughs> you pansies. You pansies. Like any of your wives will ever hear this. <laughs> Mine's in the next room. You don't see me cowering. Oh, shit. <laughs> You're just going to hear like a kabong sound. <laughs> <laughs> Succeeding Dr. Bill next week on the show will be. <laughs> ah, so we leave. Uh, we are now in. We are now careening to the end. And at first I felt like, man, this is really choppy. I'm like, well, no, no, it's an ongoing narrative and the ongoing narrative because we're all it's all going to keep tying it. You know, we're not going to really resolve anything at the end of some of these episodes. It's it's choppy because so, it's like the first part of nine. It needs to be choppy. Of a ten hour yeah, you, episode. You gotta set every you gotta set everybody up, put all the pieces pieces in place. This is like this is the part before the opening credits. Yeah, if this is a ten hour oh, movie, this is the pre credit yeah. sequence. Yeah. And I if, agree if with that. you can get by that, the whole pacing issue with trying to make this one out of nine full episodes, one of which is double length, so ten really. Um, if you can get by that, then I think this was a really good episode. But if you're looking for mm-hmm. something on a standalone basis, this was an awful episode. <laughs> yeah, but I think at this point we've long since got past that. We know that the show's going to be serialized. We know it's going towards its ending. We know they can't wrap all this up in one or two episodes. And, and I'll, I'll take that a step so, further and say I'm happy that they did it this way I'm on I'm on the side yeah. of that argument where I'm pleased with this being the way that they did it but you, you know when we're sitting here breaking it down an episode at a time you know now this turns into the uh, you know p- pick the movie of your choice movie minute where we're just taking one portion of, of a full story and just breaking down that one portion 
because we're not going to get a beginning, middle, and end to each episode anymore until this is over, at which point we should have end, 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 end. And even though I didn't think that they got into the Dax goes and rescues Worf storyline as quickly as they could have done, so this episode feels like two episodes bolted together. It felt to me like that should have been the pre-credit sequence. Worf's gone missing in the Badlands, oh shit, Jadzia steals the thing and off we go. Yeah, because really we've got, well, like, what, three three distinct na- narratives here. We've got Worf and Esri, we've got Ben and his marriage, and we've got, uh, or Ben and Cassidy, and then we've mm-hmm. got Ducat and Damar. Yeah, and it, it's it's the, it's really the Ben and Cassidy and the Worf Dax stuff that I was more interested in this time, because that felt like it was... A, setting up what is about to come, and B, tying off a loose end, which was Esri and Worf. And although I didn't entirely buy them jumping into bed together, um, I did feel that they did a decent enough job of tying that storyline up, because he clearly wasn't over Dax. This is clearly meant to be breakup sex, so Esri can move on to whatever relationship she's going to move on to. I'm sure Worf doesn't think this is going to be a marriage between the two of them. And it was nice to hear Terry Farrell's voice, because as we all know, she does not appear in the final montage in the last episode, which is still an egregious error, but we'll talk about that when we get there. So it was nice to at least hear her voice and hear Esri acknowledging her as part of her past lives. I did like all the stuff as well about um, Esri chatting to the Dr. Bode, who has the visible brain. <laughs> and th- there's that brilliant line, well, what is she seeing him? And O'Brien says, well, his brain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going dif- to differ from you a little bit in that uh, I don't know that Worf thought this was going to be something that was you know, going to continue, or if he thought this was one-time breakup sex. I don't think either of them really knew what. I think they were both very confused about their uh, emotions towards each other and fell into this romantic clinch, for lack of a better term, uh, because it felt right at the moment. But I don't think either one of them thought it out beyond that moment until it was done. And then they had to make a decision. Is this something we want to continue with or are we done with each other now? I don't think either of them knew where they were going to go with that. Well, no, clearly there wasn't too much thinking going on that they didn't even leave a, someone standing watch afterwards. Well, you know, they think they're on a deserted, empty planet. And who are you going to leave standing but, watch? Uh, the two of you are, uh, you know, yeah. ugly. How come Worf gets all the women? Because he is a Klingon warrior. I get whatever. Perhaps he gets it is a sex. Yeah, what happened to for what happened to for that? I would need a Klingon woman. How would you know if you don't try? Then I will never know. He obviously well, changed his mind, didn't he? Well, well, he does hurt them because he says, you know, ow, my shoulder. Hmm. <laughs> And, you know, he's and like, he, perhaps that happened when 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 they took us in. She's like, no, that happened last night. And he bought in a storm. I, I think it's kind of funny that he's more hurt than she is after, after rough sex. Because yeah, she's only a little thing. She's beating the crap out of him. It, it, seem, it seemed more realistic I love, I, that Terry Farrell would beat him up than... Than, than, than Ezra, yeah. I, I loved all the stuff with Ben and Cassidy. I particularly like the ending, where Cassidy's all, ah, it'll be a nice quiet wedding, completely yeah. forgetting that he's the emissary. Not only that, but the, but the prophets yeah, the are saying, oh, comes it was nothing but pain. Just, you know, it's like, you know, mm. we, you know Bill, you, already, you made your point, but everybody goes into marriage thinking it's going to be different than that. <laughs> and it's like, you know, first step. <laughs> I'm not level, saying all marriage possible. is pain. At least maybe first marriages, but I'm still working on that. Oh, sorry. Always looking for the next future ex Mrs. Spataro. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, the the little girl comes up. This was it me- me- mentioned in the synopsis, uh, but she's like, "Oh yeah, I was hoping I could be one of your 51 brides, uh, bridesmaids, uh, yeah. bridesmaid girls." I'm like, "Ah, 51." 
She's like, huh? I'm sorry, you know what? No, I, all the people. If there were 52, you'd be in, but sorry. Uh, you didn't make the cut, kid. Sorry. I don't. Did we see Quark this episode? Yes, we did. Yes. Quark had yeah. a brilliant line. Yeah, he has, he has that great scene, yeah. Warp oh, because connect. I watched this between over the span of two weeks. I watched the first half, and then I watched the second half last night, so I might have forgotten from the first half. Worf couldn't go into the afterlife because he owes Quark money, and he wouldn't be able to rest. Yeah, but was Quark seen, though? He was mentioned. Yeah, no, he, he tells that to Ezra. Right. No, but Quark. That's how he knows that Worf must still be. Yeah, Quark. Quark's bark. Oh, Quark's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's right. That that one. Yes, yes, you're correct. <laughs> yes, remember. You remember Quark. He owns the bar. Little <laughs> guy, big ears. Hey, now. But we even saw more. I don't need to hear no episode. lip out of you. I'll send you out to the Badlands. Okay. Boss, boss Quark. Well, mm, that would work, actually, if you put him in a white suit. Morn was here as well. We actually saw Morn again. Which is different to Born again. Or Bjorn again, which is an Abbott tribute band. Mr. Morn is my muscle. You take care of you. So all that, uh, the, so there's, there's nice little scenes. Like O'Brien gets that one scene and Quark gets that one scene. But by and large, most of the cast aren't in this one. Kira has one scene. Odo has one scene. Um, Guldacat shows up. Do you really buy that they were able to make... Gulducat look human and they will be able to turn him back again. Why they because do it all the time on the like other when show. Kurt, when they I know. Yeah, but it's very easy to add bits on. It's very easy to add pointed ears it's on. It's funny you say I, that. You may escape your notice. Leonard Nimoy doesn't really have pointy ears. But once you've <laughs> shaved off his spoon head and all the, the, the spines on his shoulder, how do they put them back? Well, Transporter technology. <laughs> All right, so they they save his transporter pattern and beam him from a previous. Actually, I'd buy that, Dev. Yeah. All yeah, right, put a prosthetic spoon on his yep. face. It's easy. You just get a spork I'd, I'd, out I'd of like a picnic basket and just put. That no, in I, there. I like. I think Dave's no prize actually works. I think, save him from a transporter buffer. I think okay. I honestly don't know because. Damar even says, hopefully he can make you go back the way he did. So I don't even know if they know that he can get him back that, the way he was. That's because if he makes it back, Damar is going to keep saying, you know, the spoon on your head really isn't quite scented, right? <laughs> Let me fix it. Because <laughs> that, that always, that always, it is always something I find slightly irritating. It's, I buy that you could make a human look Vulcan. Let's be honest, they do it every week. So certainly that wouldn't be difficult. But making a Cardassian look human and then be able to turn him back, I don't buy within <clears throat> the genetic framework of the show. Now, I know this isn't real life. I know Mark Alamo doesn't really look like that. But within genetics, it's easier to alter something than it is to change it back. So I'm not sure that I bought that they'll be able to change him back. But maybe Ducat doesn't care at this point. I mean, he does have that line, I don't plan on being a Bajoran. But that doesn't mean that he thinks he's coming out of this the same. Okay, well, let's, let's well, take I mean, that a they step would've... further then. You know, so you're saying you think they can perform surgery to make a, a Cardassian look like a Bajoran. Correct? I can, well, I can they did surgery to make that. a... But yeah. don't look like a Cardassian. They did that to Kira. And I can buy that they can make somebody look like a Cardassian so with makeup. I because I don't buy that they can make him go back to that on a genetic level. Who says they because to make him human? They must have altered his physical appearance. They, they've shaven bits off they, him. Yes. Yeah. How are they going to put those back because on? The science is more advanced really than, than it is now. So they're able to. to add things with plastic surgery I mean as it is even with the, some of the crazy plastic surgery they have now they've, you have people adding spikes to their body and stuff so well, so basically what you're saying is Gutak g- 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 Ducat's going to come back and he's going to have those big duck lips yes. and the plastic surgery went slightly wrong he's going to have a picture yeah. of himself from when before he had the first surgery and say make me look like this again can <laughs> give him a boob implant? <laughs> He's gonna end up looking like Michael Jackson. 
That, that, would, that would not be good. Yes. Okay. Alright. Um, did you like Cisco just letting Jadzi? Uh, I keep calling her Jadzi, don't I? Did you like Cisco? Did you buy Cisco letting Esri go? Why not? He lets everybody else go and do what the hell That's they well, want. The I, I thought one. that as well. But at the end, do you think he's going to give her a bollocking and a demotion no, or some kind of punishment? Never, or is he just never going to mention this again? Nobody ever gets punished for doing this shit. He's bollocks. Her... He has bollocks, O'Brien. Oh, O'Brien has broken the rules a, every episode. A, 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 a her. So why why make a big show about saying turn the ship around then? Why not just say, all right, if you're going, Because he's go. supposed to. And when, when she comes back, yeah. he's going to say, don't do that again, old man. Slalom. Plus, if she, <laughs> an official she, reprimand has been gone on your permanent record. If she makes a mess of the whole thing or gets killed, he can always go, I ordered her back. Yeah, there's, there's no way he's punishing her for going back to getting to get Worf, especially since she got him. If she, yeah, especially when she succeeds. So if she'd come back having failed, he would have um, demoted he her. Just piled on, <laughs> thrown her in the brig. <laughs> No, yeah, but, I, you know, that's one of the things I think we've talked about since the beginning of this series is that there there are no repercussions for the people who who, who don't. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. So wait a minute. So in Voyager, Sesco was a Cardassian that was disguised as a Bajoran. And then later she is actually goes back to being a Cardassian. That's right. fact. So. How does she pull that off? I don't know what technology they used in Clearly that. They can. Like, <laughs> did, did she use a federation? Because she was off with the uh, the what do you call it? It's the uh, oh, the, the, the uh, dirty people. Uh, I can't. The, the ones that were Klingons that wanted to be them. Yeah. The uh, what the hell is yeah, that? Yeah. So thing was, but they were they were like all dirty people. The Kazon. Yeah. The Kazon. Because she went off with the Kazon and was manipulating them, and because but, but yeah, and she looked like. So how did she use Kazon technology to do that, or did she do it on the Federation? I don't remember when how she changed herself back, but she did. <laughs> did she do it on Federation um, medical insurance? No, no, no. I mean, I mean, like she did it on the ship before she left, or you know, <laughs> or Kazon. We don't know what a Cardassian looks like, so she could have looked like it's anything. Gonna, she's gonna you know? end up looking like what's her name uh, from the cage, Nina. Yeah. Nina. But you know, you know yeah. how. When, when, just I, I know we're really off on a tangent here, but the uh, whatever, whatever species that was that that did that to her, they had basically humanoid bodies with just very large heads. Why would they build her body with like a hunchback? Why did she have a slumped shoulder? <laughs> yeah. Why? Clearly, this is they how had they no want. idea what what humans look like. So you know what? Maybe you should just use your own physical bodies as as a model then. As a template. Oh, okay. Everything's uh, symmetrical no, on no, us. I, I assume that they so have a big So let's put it on, on symmetrical on that. <laughs> now, if they were harder, it would make sense. <laughs> uh, we've already we've discussed many times that wolves ribbed for your pleasure. Once you go on Pachori, you don't now. go back. <laughs> what kind of ridges are those on your head, boy? But, I mean, this this is a, a, essentially the prelude to the you know, the finale now. So we're just kind of putting our wheels in yeah. motion. And I guess the least interesting one as far as, you know, what we've been talking about is probably the, uh, you know, Gold Dukat thing, but it is probably the most to do with what's going to happen in the end. Yeah, this is all just pure sound. I like the Dukat Demar stuff. I like that Demar is becoming more and more of an alcoholic. Yeah, let's motivate the doctors by killing them and letting them start over. <laughs> That's what you could do when you have clone technology, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I mean, Damar is is becoming, you know, clearly disenchanted with uh, the way things are going on. So you know that that's a sign of things to come. I liked when uh, the Vorta calls out Damar when he's going off to meet Dukat. She says, "Oh, Dukat, you know, did the same thing." He had women too. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah that, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, you see right through me. <laughs> You're so, so smart. 
<laughs> is he though? No, he's not. He's not smart. He's a very big. So if you could constantly be, if you could constantly be recloned, would you take more risks, or would you just after a while be like, eh, what's the point? Yeah, you just do ground up there, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, you'd be like, I'm, or would you just waffle back and forth? It's like I can do anything. Ah, I was killed. I'm back you, and I go. Your I, memories I'm killed. go right up until the point when the host body dies before the new cloning. So you don't remember the pain. No, but I'm saying, you know, like if let's just say they clone, you know, they they create this clone group for you, and your memories are accurate up until now. So what you do from now until the point when you die may not be a part of the. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I mean, because what's if they don't include the 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 death in the cloning process? How is killing them and recloning them really a punishment if they don't experience the pain of dying? You know what I mean? It's like that. Is that really a punishment, or is it just like, oh, you killed me again? All right, back to work. Yeah. Alright, thanks. Or, you know, you'd use like a Klingon disruptor and, you know, dissolve the body and let them remember that pain. Say, you know, I'm going to do that every day to you till you solve this problem. Oh, okay. Okay. Alright. Alright, founder. Got it. Got it. You know, I mean, that's a factor. But it also, you know, is a factor if you don't, if you're not going to remember from this point forward, it's a factor in, you know, whether or not you feel there's a loss to your, uh, losing, you know, losing that life because, you're going to lose that experience from, you know, from when they somehow digitally uh, created your memories up until the point that you died. You know, anything you experience during that time is going to be unique to that particular clone. See, I almost took it as if you were saving all the data, firing the scientists and then bringing in new ones. So it's like you you want to stay alive? You you better solve this, or you're dead. No, I took it that they were the same scientists. She was killing them and having them, you know, start over, like save all their data. But but what's the point if you know if there's no consequence or there has to be you know just being killed and recloned? If you don't remember, it would be like the same thing as going to sleep each night. Oh my God! I just blew my own mind. Maybe I'm a clone every time I wake up. That's why I keep gaining weight. They keep adding more stuff to me from the previous version. Bill 6.0. 69.0. Dude. Oh, that's what? No. <laughs> uh. So we really don't have any um, conclusion to this, which is, I think, why we're meandering. Would you agree? Yeah, I was basically just agreeing with you. It is it's the pre credit sequence of a ten hour movie. And therefore there's not really a lot for us to delve into yet. It's good, it's enjoyable, but it's all gonna depend on how they wrap it all up and whether we think that is satisfactory or not. Alright, so I guess I guess we can rate this now. Um Hmm. <laughs> it stinks. I'm gonna oh. give it. <laughs> no, sir. I didn't like it. Uh, I'm going to give it. Uh... I'm gonna give it 3.5 Bajoring wedding banjos. Um, I mean, it's kicking off the story. I was bored. But it still felt weird compared to other ones that, you know, do have an end. But this is like one big long serial. Um, if you were, you know, those of us that remember the, the Buck Rogers and the Flash Gordon and the other serials that kept you coming back each week. So uh, three and a half Bajoran wedding banjos. Yeah, I, I... well, Bill, Bill did a, a, a little snippet of original show, didn't he? So we should all do that. Da, 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 da. Four stars. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, yes, it doesn't have any resolution, but I enjoyed it also. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on 3.5 with Bill on this because I really enjoyed it, much like you, Andy, and it made me want to watch the next one. I just feel like, you know, it's not in and of itself a four-star episode. I feel the same way, and 
I gave it three and a half too. You gave it three and a half or two? Three and a half or is that well. five and a half? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the best thing they've done so far. I gave it six. At least well, you didn't go the old bill route and give it six point seven three four eight point two. Well, three and a half two would be five point five. I was told there would be no math on this podcast. Well, they lied. Speaking of math, what do you think Blaine thought? Well, Paul, I'm going to need your help on this one. We're we're going to have to go back to dueling Arnold's. Do you know what I'm getting at? A number? What did he say? No, I don't know where you're going. I don't know where you're going. I say, what did he say? And you say, what, what did he, did he, did he say? What, what did he, did he, what did Blaine say? How is that? Forget it. Oh, that's all right. banjos. <laughs> no, banjos. But we did Dueling Arnold's. We all did right. Dueling Arnold's. With the... Well, now we do right, the whole it. thing. Blaine says. Was... <laughs> Hi, guys. I can't work like this. <laughs> amateurs. I'm here with amateurs. This is where it really starts wrapping up. All pieces are in place. All major characters introduced, etc. This is a climax 163 episodes in the making. It feels like it's starting a little small with one missing crewman, Ducat back on Cardassia in secret, and Ben Sisko planning to get married. I like seeing the trails that Jadzia and Curzon had in common coming, or excuse me, I like seeing the traits that Jadzia and Curzon had in common coming through in Esri. Overcoming her space sickness and choosing to ride the Badland currents looking for Worf. The rescue, the Breen, it's all putting them in an interesting direction. Dukat, the believer, is back. I also like how Wayun misinterprets Damar's secrecy and his poor poker face. This has a lot of potential. Finally, I enjoy the public response to Sisko's wedding. It makes complete sense given his role as emissary. I'm not sure how the prophets are getting involved again, since I thought his destiny destiny with them was complete in the second episode. But the tension may be worth it. Science. A penumbra is a region of partial shadow, such as the edge of the shadow of at a lunar eclipse. I assume that was the name because it's about to go very, very dark. Blaine. So we all agree with Blaine. Mm-hmm. Well said. Although he's had yeah. 163 episodes, but, well, I would go over Blaine instead of uh, Wikipedia, because it said 167. Well, he's probably so. counting some of the two-parters. Oh, possibly he is. Blaine, you don't question Blaine's math. You take, you, you I did, take that back right now. I did now. not. I said nothing. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like Sergeant Schultz. Uh, that does it for Penumbra. Uh, we got a couple of pieces of email. Would you like to uh, read one? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, our first email, our only email, I think, tonight is the passenger in Star Wars 7. Blimey, that's going back a bit. Matthew Gilliland has sent us that email. Do you remember when we were all full of hope when Star Wars 7 came out? As for the passenger, I almost didn't download the episode because even though it was the last one I'd watched, I didn't remember it. Then at the top of the episode, Andy said that he had to watch it twice and still was forgetting it, so I can totally relate. Actually, this whole section of episodes are slumps. The one where they get sucked into the game and the one before, I don't think the show knew what it was or would be. As such, they were just trying things. I finally get the Morn joke. Is that the Cheers gag? Morn! Quark is by far my favourite character and hope he stays that way. Listening to y'all talk about Star Wars 7, the trailer, and guess that BB-8 would be insignificant was lovely. It was like a nice time travel of also not knowing and having to wonder again. Thanks, Matthew Gilliland. Well, you're very welcome, my, uh, Matthew. There's a PS that just says email 3. I, I might we, we yeah, have gotten, gotten email too and said, have we heard from Matthew before? I don't, I'm not sure. I don't remember. You know, you can't expect me to remember anything from one week to another, Matthew. So... Maybe it, maybe it should have been titled The Search for Spark or Mission to Moscow or something. <laughs> uh, thanks for the email, Matthew, and uh, we appreciate your perspective on it. And uh, Yeah, the, the Passenger, I do believe, is a very forgettable episode because I'm having trouble conjuring up thoughts of it right now, honestly. I just went back and read it, and I don't remember what it... I'm like, I don't remember. It's a, se- it's a season one episode, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yes, yeah. it is. It's like the ninth one All in. Right. I would tend to agree it was before they knew what the show was going to be. So I guess that's it for today. What are we doing next time? Next time on an old new episode of Listen to the Prophets. It's part two of the epic season finale. Yes, we're going to call it that. Till death duels part a revelation they say that marion cassidy is a mistake forces cisco to choose between love and duty i can't go against the prophets a transformation becomes an act of treachery i've been waiting for you an interrogation they have us caged up like animals turns an old enemy into a deadly new adversary the fires of war are heating up on the next star trek deep space nine Again with marriage? (laughs) Marriage! Love to love. See you all next time. Ta-ra. Bye-bye. Ciao, Bella. Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast is a Two True Freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you'd like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Hello and welcome. You might, you might what was that? What? Shut up. You shut up. I don't get I don't hear any snippets from Andy. That's because he's sick of you. <laughs> I was letting you get on with it. You're the ones who have to go to work and shit, not me. <laughs> anyway. Hello and welcome to Listen to the Prophets. As we continue to cover the series. <clears throat> not that I meant to say that as a question. I'm just uh I'm always fumbling for an opening. Oh, never mind. Anyway, uh... That's today, what uh, she said! Oh, you... <laughs> That's it, I'm starting over. Dave, take that out. No, leave that in! Take that out, leave that in. Take. Oh. <laughs> That's what she said! <laughs> There's your post credits. What brings... Uh...